Good morning, everyone. We're in Proverbs and chapter 19 today, and we're talking about the tongue. I hope you're not getting bored with this uh, subject, but it is so vital, I believe, for life and for Christian testimony. So here we are, verse nine. Sorry, verse five of Proverbs nineteen: A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall not escape. Verse nine: A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall perish. Verse twenty-two: A poor man is better than a liar. Then I just wanted to read a verse from the New Testament. In 1 John 2 and verse 4, He that says, I know Christ, I know him, that is, and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John 5 verse 3, And his commandments are not grievous, not burdensome. It's pretty obvious what my subject is today. It's about lies and the liar. We live in a world of deception, duplicity and downright dishonesty. We call it politics. It's almost impossible to trust what anyone says. Politicians, the media and even religious leaders. I looked up on Google what what synonyms there were for deceit and one was playing politics. How telling that is. When you watch news reports about almost anything, it becomes very clear sooner or later that there has been a slant or a bias towards one thing or another. It becomes very obvious that there is a hidden agenda promoting that which suits the purpose of those in positions of power. You see, Scripture makes it clear that there is a usurper upon the throne of this world. The whole world, says the Bible, lives lies, rather, under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of it. The father of lies. That's what Scripture says about him. It is little wonder, then, that the world leaders, most of which know not the God of the Bible, the only living and true God, that they're going to be characterised by the manipulation and massaging of that which is the actual truth in order to fulfil their own agenda. As I'm sure you know, we used to have, I'm not sure if it's still the case, a legal procedure in court where it is required that those giving evidence have to give an oath holding a Bible. Maybe that's not the case now, I don't know. Thankfully, I don't have to go into court most of the time. (laughs) I can't remember ever having been in court. And it says this, I do solemnly, sincerely and truly declare and affirm that the evidence I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I've often asked people telling me a doubtful story, is that nothing but the truth or nothing like the truth? Do you remember what Pilate, the judge of the Lord Jesus, said in John chapter 18? What is truth? That sums it up, doesn't it? And that has been the case ever since the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, when Satan introduced the lie 
into God's fair creation. Since that day, it's been almost impossible, naturally speaking, to know what is true and what is a lie. But praise the Lord, then Jesus came. Scripture says of him in John's Gospel, chapter 1, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In chapter 14 of that Gospel, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. In John chapter 17, Jesus praying to his Father said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And in the same context as we have referred to in John chapter 18, Jesus said to Pilate, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Can I just say, you can totally and completely trust what the Bible says. It is God's holy word, and it is wholly true and eternally reliable. Now, after that brief introduction, let's look at chapter, let's look at Proverbs chapter 19. In this chapter, what is of real value isn't financial prosperity, worldly wealth, social standing or position, celebrity status, or any other temporary, transient, momentary, egocentric honours. No, it is integrity. Because integrity is a vital ingredient of a life of wisdom, the wisdom that is godly and godlike. For, Proverbs says again, the fear, that is the reverence, and submissive acknowledgement of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As we've seen in the readings from our chapter, it begins and ends with this. Better is the poor <clears throat> that walks in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. And at the end of the chapter, a poor man is better than a liar. I want to really drive this matter home to myself and to my precious listeners today that to tell a lie is extremely serious and we should never do it. But to be a liar is eternally serious and is fearfully dangerous because the truth of Holy Scripture says all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Irrecoverable, in other words, the second death. Fearful thought. You see, death is not the end. There is a second death for unrepentant, unsaved, unredeemed souls. There are those people who continually and without concern for integrity have given themselves over to a lie Void, uh, to, sorry, to a, to, to a life void of the truth. These people are strangers to the truth, whose whole life is one of twisting and turning in order to manipulate everything for their own purpose and advantage, no matter what or who is sacrificed in the process. 
What does this, this chapter say about such? Verse 5, a false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall not escape. Verse 9, a false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaks lies shall perish. Shall not escape, shall perish. These words are so powerful. They're not only for those who are constant liars, they're for all of us. You see, by nature we all stand condemned before a holy God because of our sin. And remember this matter of shall not escape. If you're among the lost souls in that great day of judgment, when all unsaved, unrepentant and unbelieving humanity will stand before the judge of all the earth, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, your mouth will be stopped and there will be no false witness from, from or about you in that tribunal and on that day. As scripture reminds us in Hebrews chapter 2, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Of course we cannot and shall not. And then that dreadful word presents itself to our hearts, perish. Fearful. The most well-known verse in the Bible, John chapter 3 and verse 16 says this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That fearful word that we read in our chapter, perish, it doesn't mean the cessation or the end of being, like some people imagine it does, that when you're dead, you're done for, and that'll be the end of everything. Annihilation, in other words. No, and a thousand no's. It will be for unrepentant, unbelieving people, not the end of being, but the end of well-being. You will be separated forever from the God who loves you, and has constantly cared for you throughout life, providing for you, protecting you, giving you so much from his bountiful hand, and separated from the Christ who died for you, the one who died in order to deal with your sins, <clears throat> and you've refused his salvation. But there is a way of escape. This other word we've read in our chapter, escape, as the old chorus puts it, there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. I implore you, dear listener, anyone who is not sheltering beneath the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you have never trusted in the only Saviour, the only sacrifice for sin and sinners, Believe on him today, who is the only way back to God, the only way to a home in heaven. The one who said what we've already quoted from John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other salvation in any other religion. In any other thing, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Maybe I'm speaking to someone this morning 
that feels they're too bad to be saved. Perhaps your whole life has been a lie and you believe there's no hope for you. Just remember what the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament book of Titus about a Cretan poet who wrote about the inhabitants of Crete. He said, Cretans are always liars and evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And yet many of those became followers of the Lord Jesus and experienced God's so great salvation. Finally, before I close, I want to speak to those of us who profess to know God and who have called ourselves Christians possibly for a long, long time. Are we guilty of manipulating the, tr- the facts and the truth in order to achieve some selfish plan and purpose? Is it a vital matter to us that at all times, whatever the cost and whoever the hearer, that we tell the truth? Remember, there is a silent listener to every word that proceeds from our lips. David said in Psalm 139, There is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Can I ask you, how truthful are you? I ask my own heart, how truthful am I? It would be good for each of us, those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, to pray every day like David did in Psalm 120. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. Trust that God will bless his word to you today.